BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Hello, I'm Dr. Ruth Westerman. <laughs> I hope you have a Merry Christmas and the uh, Jewish holidays are around the same time. A very good Hanukkah and a Happy New Year. The Bob Seska Show. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. Dr. Ruth Westheimer in studio. Is she still alive? I don't know if she's even alive anymore. I'm going to have to look into that. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, December 7, a day that will live in infamy. And this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, how you doing? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello, day 322 of the Biden-Harris administration, 336 days until the 22 midterms. I am on Instagram. My handle is the Bob Seska. I'm on Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go, the suckiest handle on all of Twitter because there's a underscore in there. Oh, wait. Holy shit, he's back. Can you say Buzz? It's Buzz. Hi. You Hi. said it all. Hello, Hi. welcome back Hi. to the oh, show. Welcome it's back. Thank you. It is so, so good to be back breath of with fresh you, Bob, air. Yeah. and our listeners. Uh, thank you for your patience while I was away. It is it is indeed great to be back. And, it is. And because I've been gone, I probably ought to set this straight. Uh, he's Bob. <laughs> I'm Buzz. And we've decided to keep the show funded through February. <laughs> so... Patreon.com slash Bob Seska Show. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and the news is crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so tell me if I get this wrong. Okay. Uh, I heard a California Republican Devin Nunes uh-huh. is leaving Congress to become captain of the Titanic. <laughs> is that? Perfection, yeah. <laughs> uh, the U.S. Supreme Court in the news, of course, uh, trampling abortion rights and voting rights and at the same time protecting uh, big business and guns. Uh, global historians uh-huh. are now predicting that if the court moves any farther to the right, we're going to invade Poland. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, CNN has fired Chris Cuomo after hearing new allegations. Yeah. Uh, now, if I understand how this works, uh, this means Chris can now go into politics and Mario can get a job at CNN. <laughs> Usually goes that way. By the way, Chris Pratt playing Mario in the uh, movie version of all of this. Just letting you know. Yeah. Ironic. Yeah. Uh, last week, we learned that Donald Trump tested positive for COVID-19 and didn't tell anyone. Yeah. But according to his wife, Melania, it's not the first time he's brought home a disease. So <laughs> I can't even imagine. I can't she's, imagine what's doing down there. She's used to it. Yeah. Uh, zoo animals. Uh, I read this. I was surprised. Zoo animals are getting the COVID now. Uh, at, yeah. At a zoo in Belgium, hippopotami, mm-hmm. you know, hippos, yeah. uh, are catching the virus. According to zookeepers, some of the hippos are refusing to wear a mask. <laughs> The anti-vaxxers among the hippos, my God. Oh, yeah, you, ch- you try to put one on them. Uh, and TV doctor Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz, oh, is running for a Senate seat in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And in response, uh, Pennsylvania voters say th- they'd like a second opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Rocky Mountain Mike. Yep. Yeah. Green, 
She wants to get up in your grill. Green, green, she's watery green. She drank too much from her old skill. No, there ain't nobody in this whole wide world gonna tell her that she's out of place. Well, now she's on the lookout with her tinfoil hat for Jewish lasers from outer space. <laughs> tequila! Green, green, she's watery green. She's getting that shit meaner still. Green, green, she's watery green. She is the mayor of Crazy Bill. She is the mayor of Crazy Bill. Yeah. She is the mayor. How about tequila? Rocky Mountain Mike. Rocky, <laughs> MNTN Mike on Twitter. Holy shit, yeah. It, it's too bad he doesn't throw himself completely into a project. You know what I mean? <laughs> I oh, know, man. no shit. That's great. Yeah, That's great. and perfect timing because, uh, as you know, Marjorie Three Toes now yes. thinks uh, cancer, just like COVID, just mm. as contagious, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why aren't there lockdowns because of cancer not understanding the thing about the contagious aspect of, oh, God, why am I even bothering? <laughs> I start down this road and I'm like, who gives a shit? Yeah, you know what? Well, yeah, she's just clanging pots and pans together. She's a rodeo clown is what she is. That's her entire job. She's not on any committee. She doesn't sponsor any legislation. All she does is go around saying, look at me. Look at me over yet, here. <laughs> and. And yet it is terribly harmful because yeah. uh, everybody in queue is willing to believe that. That's right. You know, uh, that's the state of things. Mm -hmm. So speaking of the state of things, how the hell was your week? We missed you <laughs> on the show, obviously, uh, missed talking to you. But once again, dreadful. the things you go through for your family, <laughs> and I say this in all sincerity, Herculean. Unbelievable uh, man, the uh, nah. the undertaking that you uh, you achieved over this past yeah, week or so. People do this every day, and uh, you know I actually lived in fear for years of my father's passing yeah. because I thought, well, I'm just not going to be able to handle it. I, I don't mm -hmm. know what to do. I wouldn't know the first thing. I, I you know I I have. I'm not going to handle this well. Yeah. Uh, and the truth is, what you find out, even if you believe that, is that you rise to the occasion. And that, and people do it every day. And uh, But I appreciate it because it does, you know, there is a certain amount of sacrifice involved in it. But mm -hmm. you do what you need to do, what you what's right. And yeah. uh, you find that uh, if it's something you think you can't overcome, you rise to the occasion. And mm -hmm. so... I, you know, I don't think it was terribly special, but 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 thank you anyway for acknowledging the effort. Well, there's something that's almost instinctive that you undertake whenever something like this has happened, and I I've seen it up close. It's remarkable uh, what you do for your family. So I hope we can all see that as a as a positive example and and take that along, pay it forward ourselves. So uh, follow the Buzz yeah. Burbank example when it comes to <laughs> dealing with uh, family emergencies. It's uh, really quite amazing. But one of the most amazing stories from your week <laughs> i gotta hear about this uh, uh motor vehicle mishap involving a, a nun and well, just, yeah. <laughs> it's, it but, sounds like a great buzz story i gotta hear this well, well about the other thing uh, uh, people in my family and people in my circle of friends have said oh you're and, and you i have said yeah. oh you're doing an amazing job you're just you're doing it you're getting everything right the uh -huh. medical the legal the financial everything you're, you're doing and it was you know they're, they're right i was doing a pretty good job of it i'm kind of an organized guy yeah but uh that all fell apart the day before we flew to kansas mm -hmm. uh i i got up and i was uh, checking uh, the reservations i was going to check it was time to check in you know online mm -hmm. and uh i saw marcia's name my wife's name there but I didn't see mine. Yeah, interesting. And and I, I don't know if I just assumed they assumed that I was flying and, and I didn't bother to make reservations for myself at any rate. Sorry to interject, but when you yeah. look for your name on a list, mm -hmm. do you sometimes accidentally look for Buzz instead of Mike? <laughs> no, no, okay. no, no. This was a you know airline reservation through yeah, like gotcha. one of the websites. And uh, I wasn't there. Yeah. And I realized, well, no, it's not them. It's me. I I, I made reservations for Marsha. I didn't make any for myself. Oh, no. Can, can I get there at the time that I was hoping to? Yeah. 
And and uh, the very nice lady at Travelocity, uh, you know, got me not only got me there uh, at the same time as my wife, but on all four legs, uh, all four legs of the trip of the round trip. Wow! Uh, and uh, and all the same place, set seated together and everything. So that was kind of a miracle save. That was that was my Thanksgiving miracle. And but then later <laughs> that day, I realized I'd told the granddaughter, not my granddaughter, but uh, you know, uh, Phyllis's and, and my dad's, uh, you know, their granddaughter. I'd I told her that she could expect a, a certain amount of money, uh, you know, from the estate. Yeah. And uh, that that same day that I realized I'd screwed up the airline reservations, I realized I told her she was getting twice as much money as she actually is. Oh, no. And uh, bless her heart, it, it, it isn't important to her. You know, mm-hmm. she's glad they were well cared for. The fact that there's something left, left over is gravy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she was not, you know, she's just super cool about it. But. Between the airline ticket and that, I felt like Uncle Billy and It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> and With the strings after, around your fingers and everything. After yeah. after all this praise about what a great job I'm doing, and then I just, you know, tank everything the day before the flight. And uh, we had a chance to catch up with friends in, in Wichita. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, got kids, I got kids, but people I went to high school with. Uh, and uh, people from my earliest days of broadcasting, mm-hmm. and uh, and a very dear personal family friend, a nun, uh, and uh, neither my wife nor I are Catholic, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I befriended the nun when I was working at Shakey's Pizza Parlor in the public house, <laughs> and uh, she would come in and drink everybody under the table. <laughs> Uh, See, and uh, there's Catholicism for you. She's one of the rebellious nuns, so we love her for that. We uh, love her for yes. being uh, activist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we've been uh, friends for many years. Likewise, my wife, who had been married before, uh, her husband was into first husband was into history, and uh, this nun was his history teacher at a university. Oh my god! And so uh, when Marcia and I met, it was like I, I I know this nun, and I went, no, I know this nun, and it turned out to be the same nun. <laughs> So we, we've been close friends for many, many years. And so we went to take her to lunch, and we're on our way back from lunch, and we're sitting at a red light, you know, and yeah, uh, yeah. suddenly, bang, you know, uh, we're rear-ended. Oh, my uh, God. Now, fortunately, there was no there no structure, no damage to the cars, and no one was hurt. Uh, uh, Marsha and I felt it in our necks uh, when that happened, but the nun did not because she's very, very short. <laughs> so she was well down in the seat. And therefore, did not experience the whiplash. Uh, so I have a short nun in the front seat, and we've we've just been rear-ended. And I'm thinking, do I make this this friend of ours, this nun, sit through uh, the police coming and all that? And you know, there was no damage, and I just waved everything off, and we went on our way. Uh, but but yeah, and as somebody remarked on Twitter, if you bring them back unharmed, you get your deposit back. So I thought that was encouraging. But that was the nun. That was my oh man. Yeah. If you're gonna yeah, be in an crazy. accident with a nun, make sure she's a teeny tiny nun. Then she's gonna yes. escape injury. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Too small to injure. That's right. But, uh, a wonderful time, nevertheless. And also, is she 128 or something? I mean, how old is she? <laughs> uh, quite old. Not quite that old, but okay. but getting but getting there fast. But it just <laughs> but but sharp as attack and sweet yeah, as ever, yeah. and and uh, just a very very dear friend. Uh, our, our nun friend. Well, okay. Lots to catch up on oh, uh, over the past few days. Uh, I guess we can start here. One of the big stories that we wrapped up the week with last week, and fortunately it came down in time for us to talk about it on the after party, so we give it a little bit of a, a recap here. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump tested positive for covid On Saturday, September 26th, 2020, the same day as the super spreader event in the former White House Rose Garden, now the Eastern European Cement Foliage Cemetery (laughs) installed by Melania Trump. And that was the big event for Amy Coney Barrett. Apparently, Trump had tested positive that day, according to Mark Meadows' book. And then I have this theory, I think a lot of people also agree with me, that there was a subsequent negative test that was probably bogus. It was probably so. the negative test was probably the false test, if it happened at of all. Of course. Well, because shortly after that he was in the hospital for it. So yeah, I would yeah. say the test the, the positive test was accurate. The negative the alleged negative negative test was not. And so the following Tuesday, several days later, was the presidential debate with Joe Biden, where Donald Trump refused to have the screen up between he right. and, and Joe Biden. And, and it was a 
you know, it was a risk to Joe Biden's life and health. Nobody in the Trump entourage wore a mask. And right. to me, the most important event of these three is, is the one that took place between the two events you've m- mentioned. Yeah. And that was meeting with the Gold Star families. And 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 then later blaming them for giving him COVID when in fact it was probably the other way around. Yeah, exactly. If anyone tells you that the Republicans are the party of the troops or whatever, think about this. Yeah. Every time there's a something goes horribly awry overseas in a war zone or something like that, they're always the first one to blame the generals. They're always the first ones to blame the guys and, and women on the front line. And that's the way it always goes. And this is another great example of that. Donald Trump blaming the troops, basically. In this case, a you know, gold star family of, uh, mm-hmm. of troops who were lost in battle. And blaming so, them. Blaming, yeah, blaming them for giving him COVID when he, in fact, uh, exposed them to it. <laughs> that's right. And I have this theory, Buzz, and this is where I get into crazy Bob tinfoil hat territory. <laughs> I have this theory that Donald Trump wouldn't have minded it if he had given Joe Biden COVID at that yeah, debate. Yeah, you, you know what? You've nailed it with exactly the right words there. I've heard people say he deliberately tried to give it. And uh, that's possible. I would I would assign the word negligently. Yeah. Uh, he, he didn't care, as you put it, whether he gave Joe Biden COVID. That's right. Uh, and there he certainly has reasons to favor it. It would underscore his theory that uh, Biden is decrepit and weak. Right. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, it would, uh, it would give him an opportunity for a lot of m- more BS propaganda. Oh, sure, sure. And so then six days after testing positive, Donald Trump is in the hospital. Uh, one of the latest uh, bits of information that we've been hearing is that his blood oxygen was far yes. lower in far greater danger than we're we hearing more and on yeah more more and more we're hearing that he nearly died that he came very very close to death and you know you'd think that would change a person uh, mm-hmm. but clear, clearly it did not and in fact he uh, doubled down as he is wont to do and you know um back when that i forget the name of the doctor walter reed there was a team of doctors who uh, helped uh, the president and they all gave a press conference out front of walter reed that day or the, right, the maybe right. it was the day maybe it was the saturday after and uh, we were all saying, as we were observing this press conference, oh, it's very clearly they're lying. I mean, we've seen precedent like this with Dr. Bornstein, who is Donald Trump's old personal physician who's now dead. Dr. Bornstein admitted that Donald Trump dictated that letter about Trump's health from right. a limousine outside the doctor's office. Right. Right. So we know that. We know that Ronnie Jackson very clearly was lying about Donald Trump, not only about Donald Trump's vital health statistics, like his weight, his height, etc., how long he's going to live. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that he was very obviously lying about is when when Donald Trump, as far as I'm concerned, very clearly had a stroke while discussing the uh, recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, that whole speech, mm-hmm. where Trump was slurring his words badly. We yeah. watched Donald Trump have some sort of brain event on national, live national television, and it was hardly a story. If it had been Joe Biden, oh my God. So then this leads us to the next layer of this story. How many people did Donald Trump come into contact with after testing positive and refusing to wear a mask between that point in time Mm -hmm. and being admitted to Walter Reed six days later? According to the Washington Post, 500 people between testing positive on 926 and going to Walter Reed less than a week later. Donald Trump took 500 people. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not surprising. Henry, if you remember, if you remember this old shampoo commercial, and they told two friends, and yes. they told two friends, and so uh, the, you expose five hundred people, potentially five hundred people, to this virus, uh, they all come come in contact with a group of people, and yeah. those people yeah. come in contact with a different group of people, and that's how it spreads. And mm-hmm. Trump just didn't care, just didn't care. What I want to know, Buzz, is mm-hmm. was there contact tracing? Of those 500 no. people. Did they look kidding? into, and I know this is, it's very difficult to prove that someone gave someone else this virus. They could have gotten it from anywhere. But there is somewhat sophisticated contact tracing that they can apply in these cases. I want to know, how many of those 500 people, or how many people those 500 people then subsequently came into contact with, who ended up on a ventilator, or maybe even died? 
because of Donald Trump's irresponsibility, his brazen shirking of the rules, still going out doing rallies, flying on uh, a Marine One and then Air Force One without a mask. We learned about that, too. Colossally irresponsible. Yeah, 500 people exposed, and then all of the people they come in contact with, Yes, more than one person died because of that. And that's the aspect of this that I think so many, certainly anti-vaxxers, anti-mask people, all of the various shirkers, tend to overlook. They tend to overlook the fact that even if they do get it and they go off and they do the uh, the Joe Rogan protocol or whatever the fuck, uh, you know, made-up home remedy they come up with from QAnon or wherever they're getting this bullshit, what once they get that, who did they come into contact with? Who did they expose? They're never talking about that. I mean, you hear on Fox News Channel, Greg Gutfeld and some others going, yeah, this is a, the Omicron variant, perfect virus to get because it's not that severe. I mean, you know, to me, right, but right. and that's the subtext. But what they're not acknowledging is by going out and doing this, by exposing yourself, irrespective of whether you're symptomatic, asymptomatic, whether you end up on a ventilator or not, the period of time, that incubation period between being exposed, getting the virus in your body, however big that viral load might be, and then finally seeing some sort of verification that you have it, in that period of time, who did you infect? How many countless people are going to end up with this Disease. Well, even even Mark Meadows had said, uh, you know, it's reportedly said. Now, I don't know if this has been confirmed, but uh, Mark Meadows reportedly told staffers, uh, "Keep your distance. Uh, treat him as if he has." Yeah. Yeah, COVID nineteen. Smart, very. I mean, surprisingly smart of Mark Meadows. And remember the photo that we've seen of Mark Meadows during that press conference out front of uh, Walter Reed, where he's like, you know, he's sitting there on a bench with his head in his hands, as if to go, "Oh God, <laughs> please, <laughs> yeah. please let this burden pass over me, Lord." Yes. Uh, and we've seen that hey, from hey. other previous chiefs of staff as well uh, in the hey, Trump uh, administration. Overall, though, we're finding out how stupid Mark Meadows is. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he was claiming at first, uh, uh, Bannon tried to claim executive privilege, and that didn't fly because Bannon wasn't working for Trump at the time of the mm-hmm. insurrection. Uh, Mark Meadows, who was Trump's chief of staff, is claiming executive privilege, and that might have flown had he not written a book exposing conversations he had with the president. Yeah. He can no longer claim executive privilege for that because he's talking about it. Once you've opened that door, Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's open season on on him, which is why now Mark Meadows has again reversed his position and said he will not cooperate with the January 6th investigation. Yeah, Yeah. and I wonder if that's because Donald Trump is fired up about the biography. I wonder if that's, or not the biography, the, the new book. The new Mark Meadows book. I wonder if he's pissed off about that and really laid the pressure down at Mark Meadows. Like, okay, you're going to say this shit about me and testing positive for COVID, and you're going to go in and cooperate with the committee? Uh Uh-uh, no way. I'm going to fucking destroy you with my little statements from the 44th, 45th president. Sorry, Barack Obama, 45th president. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. He's going to completely smear Mark Meadows in the Red Hat Entertainment Complex, and that was probably the threat. Yeah, And Trump's going to be even angrier when he realizes that by publishing that book, Meadows uh, waived his executive privilege. Yeah, exactly right. And now we hear from the Daily Beast that there are numerous reports confirming what nearly every politically savvy person saw coming. Former President Donald Trump does not think highly of Mark Meadows' new book and even feels betrayed by his former chief of staff. Notice the radio silence from Donald Trump about the positive COVID right. test. He hasn't said a goddamn thing about it because it's coming from Mark Meadows' book. It's coming from his own chief of staff, his right-hand mm-hmm. man, the guy he relied on, the guy he mistakenly uh, trusted to keep his secrets, right? And so now, right. what do you think Donald Trump's going to do? Say fake news? Oh, Mark Meadows is fake news. He's not going to say that. Both men are evil. Uh, both men are crooks with evil intent. Uh, uh, but both men are also stupid. And, and Trump has <laughs> made his own situation worse, as you pointed out he often does, uh, by, you know, by saying in a new interview that he fired uh, James Comey as FBI director because he felt the Russia investigation would have removed him from office. Well, that's another gigantic story. This is yes. the another great example of Trump always makes things worse for Trump. Right. Because the story at the time about Comey was, 
oh, this didn't have anything to do with me. This is the attorney general going, I, you know, I have no f- confidence in James Comey anymore. This is uh, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Sessions. Oh, you know what? Or uh, who was it? Who wrote? Was it uh, uh, Rosenstein who wrote the letter? There was some sort of I think Trump cajoled Rosenstein into writing a letter about Jim Comey right. or. Right. I, yes, I, that's, that's correct. You've got it right. The reason for that letter was to deflect away from Donald Trump and the notion of obstruction of justice. Now Donald right. Trump has said, oh, yeah, I fired him. I fired Jim Comey, mm-hmm. which very clearly is an admission. It's a confession. It's more, it's more of a confession than what he gave Lester Holt, and that was considered a bombshell at the time when he said, I fired Comey because of the Russia investigation. And so, mm, I, you know, I sincerely hope at this point that there is some sort of secretly impaneled grand jury looking at those obstruction of justice charges. And I know that Adam Schiff has been trying to apply some, shall we say, gentle pressure mm-hmm. to Merrick Garland to make sure that right. this happens. And yeah, it, it, it seems uh, Garland, I mean, as, as people have described it, uh, is investigating all the foot soldiers and 650 uh, Justice Department uh, defendants at this point. Uh, and so it's not like he's doing nothing, but it, it, the, it's been noticed that he only seems to be going after the lower level folks, while the January 6th commission is, is looking at Trump. You know, from from the yeah, I guess the DOJ is looking at everything from the bottom up, as investigators often do. Yeah. Uh, the January sixth commission is at this point in its work, uh, I think, kind of investigating from the top down, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, perhaps together they will meet in the middle and we'll have a complete investigation. Yeah. Uh, perhaps uh, the pressure from Nunez will uh, will get Garland to do more. Uh, Garland is very much aware of the pressure out there, and I think is making an effort, uh, but uh, we all agree it's not enough and it's not fast enough. Uh, Democracy is at stake here. If I had any advice for the people who listen to this show, and it's something I've been doing more lately, and I I would hope others would join in, talk to people, not just on social media, not just there, but in real life, talk to people about the fact that there is a very real threat to democracy. And only one party cares about that. Uh, this is an important message for us to carry forward uh, because, uh, as I may have said before, I certainly said it privately, and that is that uh, most Americans are unaware yeah. of the threat to democracy. Uh, they have their lives. Uh, a lot of them felt better when Biden got elected. That, well, everything's going to be like normal now. Well, it's not. Now, uh, I don't know if you're going to talk about the Atlantic article uh, that Rachel's been talking about. Oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, the Bart Gelman article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gelman's article, uh, I agree with everything in it except the part where he's certain that Trump is going to run in 24. I can't help but think. He says even investigations, even indictments will not uh, hurt Trump. Mm. I don't agree. I I, I really think uh, between uh, uh, Trump's health, you alluded to the stroke, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the fact that he has had COVID and there are long-term effects of that uh he may not be fit enough and he may be too tied up with legal matters there are still many lawsuits uh, civil lawsuits in the wings and in in progress as yeah. well as in multiple investigations do not forget about the investigation in georgia at any point uh, there's no way i you know trump may not be a free man to run for office uh, that's my feeling Mm-hmm. Well, you're in the same camp as Hal Sparks. I'm not as uh, pro on that as uh, as you guys are. I still think that uh, given the opportunity, he's going to run no matter what. This is his, uh, as far as he's concerned, this is his manifest destiny mm-hmm. to be a candidate again and to reclaim what was stolen from him. And this is a uh, this is a guy who's always felt entitled his entire life, always felt driven to to always show strength and never show weakness. Right, right. I, I, I think he's going to be driven. To to run again, whether he can or not, whether he's permitted to do that is another story. Um, Hal believes that he's in this for the Save America for Pack cash. money, for the cash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, I think, a big part of it. I think he would like to run. I think it may even be in his heart his intention to run. The yeah. question is, will he be able to? And mm-hmm. I say no. I think there are two very strong odds against that, uh, health and uh civil and criminal charges yeah yeah well it's a flip of the coin and i think also Mm -hmm. it also behooves us to 
hope for the best and prepare for the worst. Uh, yep. Acknowledge mm, that there's a possibility that he is going to run, but that uh, he may not. So, And that would be it, a best-case scenario as far as I'm But concerned. again, because so many people are not following what you and I and the people who listen to this show follow, uh, they aren't aware of the threat to democracy. Please spread the word about the and and you know you have to frame it in a way you don't sound like a kook. Yeah. Uh, but you can very clearly lay out examples of of why we're in trouble and uh, that only one party seems to be resisting this move toward authoritarianism. Here's the quote: "Don't forget, I fired Comey. Had I not fired Comey, you might not be talking to me right now." about a beautiful book of four years at the White House, and we'll see about the future. The future is going to be very interesting. So he's basically saying, had I not fired Jim Comey, I'd be in jail right now, and I wouldn't right. have been able to publish this picture book. Right. And that's exactly it. This is basically saying. It's, it's not basically. Right. It's, it's, it's admitting. Yes, it's admitting. If I hadn't fired Comey, I'd be in prison. And that indicates very strongly obstruction of justice. I know, add this onto the stack. Allison Gill from Mueller, she wrote, believes that uh, there is something happening at DOJ regarding an investigation into Trump. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it has to do with this. I think it has to do more with the election fraud and insurrection and everything like that than it has to do with his ongoing attempts to cheat, his ongoing attempts to obstruct justice, which are still things that need to be on the list as far as legal ramifications for this guy. Yeah. And let's hope that they are. Let's hope that that eventually happens because- We haven't- yeah. We haven't broken the seal on that yet. You know, right, I think right. pressure's building up. I believe the seal will break and that there will mm-hmm. be a flood of trouble for Trump and his supporters, but we're not, it hasn't cracked yet. Uh, it has to because of the immense pressure that's building up. Well, and I also strongly recommend reading that Bart Gelman piece in yes, The Atlantic yeah. if you can yeah. uh, make it through the paywall uh, because. Uh, many of us, including the aforementioned Hal Sparks, including Stephanie Miller, including me, including you, Buzz, we've been warning about this shit for years now. I mean, I've been I warning know. about it going back to 2015 before he was elected yeah. in the first you, place. You and Chez were worried about it. Yeah, yeah. So on one hand, it's nice to see someone in a, uh, a reputable publication like The Atlantic laying this all out. On the other hand, I feel like, well, just because it's in the Atlantic doesn't mean that it's brand new information. We've been talking about right. this for years. So, you know, well, the, in a way, author, I feel defensive in, in so far as, yes, we have talked about this and we deserve more credit for having talked about it. The, the article is one man's perspective. Uh, it's, uh, you know, his analysis of the situation. Yeah. Take that for what it is. Uh, like I said, I, I agree. But basically what the article says is that there is a threat, a serious and dire threat to democracy. Democracy, mm-hmm. A very real threat that it could all end the life of life as we've known it in this democracy could end in 2024. Yeah. And uh, I, I think he's absolutely right about that. I, the only thing I would take issue with is take that uh, Trump thing with a grain of salt. Yes, the assault is real. Whether or not Trump will actually be a candidate, maybe, maybe not. Uh, that isn't written in stone yet. Well, there's some indications that the Republican Party is slowly backing away from him, but... I think they're preparing uh, contingencies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you could say that. I, I think uh, contingency in the form of Ron DeSantis. That's going to be a fascinating... Oh, my God. Uh, this guy with yeah. his private police force that uh, is a paramilitary police force that oh answers God. only to him and oh making God. it uh, the only law enforcement agency in the country that doesn't answer to the federal government. Well, what do you suppose he'll use that for? Yeah, uh, I know. I know. Uh, this guy must be stopped. And, and uh, Ron DeSantis says a lot of idiotic things and, and does a lot of idiotic things, but he's very, very smart. And he knows exactly what he's doing. Have you seen the videos of him miming Donald Trump's hand gestures? Oh, while yeah, he's yeah, it's very real. yeah. He's he's taken Trump and he's uh, polished it. Uh, he's made it. Uh, he's he's got a a smoother, uh, mm. more uh, palatable way of of presenting that, which makes him even more dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Just the thing that we've been warning about, too. And I expect maybe Bart Gelman will write about this in a couple of weeks. The thing that we've also been saying, which is one of the real threats 
is the smarter, more savvy version of Donald Trump. Exactly. And and <laughs> uh, and while it may not seem that Ron DeSantis is smarter and more savvy, he is a smarter and more savvy version of Donald Trump. That is true. That's a very real yep. thing and a very real threat. And uh, you, you look at this police force he's created, and you look at the ridiculous rules about about the 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 uh, pandemic that mm -hmm. he's created. Uh, that's what life in America is going to be like, and worse. If he were, forbid, elected president. Oh, I know. Oh, God. Well, it's going to be, <laughs> I got to break out the uh, clown car music again. Yes, please. <laughs> By this time, maybe next year or so. Like, can you believe people are going to start throwing their hat into the ring in like 13 months from now. Well, they kind of already have started. But mm -hmm. as, as far as the really active process of running for president we're talking about January of 23. I mean, that's just right around the goddamn corner. I can't mm -hmm. believe we're in this again. Time moves by too damn quickly. And yeah, tell me about back it. Back to the uh, the presidential level madness and the ongoing existential fear that we all experience <laughs> as we watch perhaps democracy slipping away. The United States is starting to top the uh, the warning lists of failing democracies. Yes. And that's uh, yes. that's kind of terrifying. Yeah, yeah. The world is losing confidence in the U.S. Not because of Joe Biden, but because of the fact that we are teetering on the edge of losing democracy. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I've got a solution for you. If you're concerned about uh, the future of the United States, the future of democracy, yes. and you're really stressed out and you need some help, today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, like Donald Trump, for example? Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help it's professional therapy done securely online you can log into your account anytime you want send a message to your therapist you're going to get a timely and thoughtful response plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions did you see the article in the last 24 hours that said america's blood pressure is up everybody yes and, and it's because of this stress. This, mm -hmm. this sounds like uh, promising for some people. Yeah, I swear to God, I think my hair started to fall out because of the yeah. stress of the pandemic plus Trump and all the rest of it. Yeah, 100% serious about that. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and if you can't afford it, financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today, so visit their website, read their testimonials. BetterHelp Help.com slash Seska. That's better com slash C E S C A. And join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Here's your special offer for Bob Seska Show listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Seska. That's betterhelp.com slash Seska. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. friend Seth Adam right here is uh, one of his Christmas signs is called December 24 off of his album Steel Temper Pride God Seth Adam's the best uh, SethAdam.bandcamp.com if you want the full URL you want to click on it just go to BobSeska.com find this episode of the podcast and scroll on down and Got links to all of our indie bands here in the show, playing indie holiday music uh, for the month of December. And uh, as I said on the Indie Music Countdown on Monday this week, ding, ding, ding. I have a dinger. There, there, there we go. Uh, I'm going to be putting together a, uh, a playlist of all of our indie Christmas songs. Cool. And what you can do is take that, take that list and 
and play it during your holiday parties or play it in the background while you're wrapping gifts or unwrapping gifts, as the case may be. Or you can play it in the car while you're out shopping and being safe, of course. Uh, so we're going to maybe put that either on the main feed for the show or even on our Patreon page at uh, bobseskashow.com. So want to share all of these uh, indie holiday songs one last time and put them all into That's a nice. big block for you because we're not doing an indie music countdown at the end of this month. We don't do one at the end of December. And so uh, this will uh, take that place. And plus, there will be no talking. No no talking, no commercials. We're just going to uh, play all the music for you. Oh, in just very one big nice. Chunk. Yeah, make yeah. a wonderful playlist. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And I hope to bring you some of my favorite jokes of the year on that New Year's show. Oh, right great. Now. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I've been looking for things for us to do for the uh, big New Year's Eve show the big blowout that we do uh it'll be the second annual one we started it yeah. last year doing again oh this year oh my god it was yeah. so much fun yeah i really gotta hunker down <laughs> i gotta hunker down <laughs> buzz and schedule this and get everyone lined up for the new year's eve show i gotta you know what you know the first thing i gotta do is recap what the hell it was we did last year because i have no no <laughs> recollection of that. Well, it would be fun yeah. to go back and listen to last year's. Yeah, we were, as yeah. I recall, very optimistic and feeling very cheerful. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because Joe Biden had been elected president and would soon be taking office. Little did we know what would happen a week later at the Capitol, at the cop- Capitol oh, Dome. God, yeah. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. So. And because I've been out of town, uh, my punishment is I will come back on Thursday. Uh, so I'm on again Thursday of this week. Yes, right? that's right. Yeah, uh, I forgot. Uh, forgot to mention now, that. Now, I'm. I'm envious. I'm glad Kimberly's going to be there. But last Thursday, you did a show with all babes. It was uh, <laughs> yeah, my favorite kind had, of show. You had Kimberly. Yeah. You had uh, I, I. Yeah. Well, I look forward to being with them at the New Year's show. Absolutely. Well, yeah. That's the thing. This Thursday, uh, we are minus both of the Goth Ninjas. This Thursday, as we've said in the past, David has been. Uh, preoccupied with his other job and he's working to you know sort of work his way around that schedule uh so he can return to the thursday show yeah, but uh, yeah. i think he's going to be away again this uh this thursday as well i it'll be okay because i can be goth <laughs> okay perfect so we've got one goth boomer and then we'll have a, a goth <laughs> gen xer Goth uh, also sitting in. So t- two goth Gen Xers and one goth boomer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thursday <laughs> That's show. Great. So Look it'll forward. be uh, yeah, it'll be me, of course, and then you and Kimberly Johnson. I think is coming yes. back for the Thursday show yeah. too. I really enjoyed being on her show recently. It was great. I, you know, like I said, I couldn't understand why she had me on, but I thought it went really well. So. <laughs> I thought you were almost going to say I couldn't understand what she was saying, but it was a great show. Oh no! Oh no! No, we did we did very well. We we did very well. I enjoyed that immensely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like me and like you, Kimberly is endowed with the gift of gab. So it's a a lot of fun to talk to Kimberly, yeah. Uh, Okay, so digging back into things here. Yeah, we lost Bob Dole, 98 years old. Uh, Oh, yeah. Bob Dole. uh, A Republican from a different era. Yeah, and you Mm -hmm. mentioned the the Bob Dole thing with uh, Uh, Norm Norm MacDonald. I can't think of a finer tribute to the man because people who worked with him say he was just always funny. He was just always funny. And he did such a great job in that sketch with Norm MacDonald about uh, Norm's uh, impression Mm -hmm. of Bob Dole. And uh, that, that stands to me as one of the greatest tributes to a man who led an amazing life. Yeah. I, I, I had I had the weird fortune, I guess, of spending a Sunday morning with Bob Dole. Wow. How did that happen? At, at a church in Wichita, Kansas. At, oh, my God. Yeah, Bob Dole loved Wichita and was, you know, obviously a Kansas senator for many, many years. Uh, he was making what I believe was a campaign appearance at mm-hmm. a church on Sunday morning. And after the service, uh, Bob Dole and I were standing on the sidewalk outside the church and just chatting, you know, shooting the breeze, just small talk. And mm-hmm. uh, people started coming up uh, to get his autograph. And I don't remember what Bob signed or agreed to sign, uh, but but I people were also coming up to me because I was I was from the radio, yeah. and uh, they were coming up to me to get my <laughs> autograph. So they would get Bob Dole's, they would get me, and some some people asked me to sign their Bibles. 
<laughs> and I just thought, I just thought, no, you know, get me a program or some whatever you call that thing. Get me one of those. Get me uh, a you program. Know. Yeah, and and I'll sign that. But I but I don't want to write in your Bible. That's yeah, you don't want that, you know. So yeah. But that was a, a strange yeah. experience. But yeah, we just uh, it was a sunny, chilly morning, and we stood out on the sidewalk just shooting the breeze. Me and Bob Dole. That's incredible. Uh, <laughs> and it calls to mind a joke: Buzz, Bob Dole, and a Catholic nun walk into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> the famous Norm MacDonald Bob Dole impression is the one that we yes. all go to. But if uh, you remember at the time, 1996, when Bob Dole ran for president, mm-hmm. there was also a very short-lived sketch show on the ABC television network called The Dana Carvey Show. Oh, And I don't know if you watched that show, Buzz, but oh my God, Robert Smigel who does uh-huh. the uh, uh, Triumph, the insult comic dog. And he's also... And also the uh, ambiguously gay duo uh, yes, cartoonist. Does yeah. all the SNL cartoons yeah. and so on with J.J. Right. Settlemeyer. And uh, at the time on the Dana Carvey sketch show on ABC, which launched, by the way, with a sketch in which Dana Carvey as Bill Clinton nurses a handful of puppies on... They, they put like prosthetic teats on Dana Carvey's <laughs> Bill Clinton impression. And he was nursing, <laughs> nursing puppies on these That's teats. Weird. It was unbe- that was at eight thirty in the evening on the yeah. ABC Television Network, and it shocked the world. I think <laughs> the show went away very soon after that. Yeah. But Robert Smigel also played Bob Dole on that show. Oh, really? And the extent of the impression was for him to just go. Dole. <laughs> That's all he did. He didn't do any voices. He just said the name Dole like that over and over again. And I laughed. I remember laughing and laughing and laughing. But you know what? That was the time. Bob Dole represents a certain time, not only right. the greatest generation who understands what fascism is all about because they fought against it. Bob Dole was famously wounded fighting fascists. But also, Bob Dole was from a different era in politics, and it's coincidental, but the day before we learned that Bob Dole had died, I tweeted something along the lines of, you know, the stakes in our politics now aren't the way they used to be, where if someone like Bob Dole becomes president, it's not the end of the world. It's not, That's the way it used to be. It used to be that... Republicans were, yeah, we disagree with them about the tax rate and, you know, there were things like... Many things. Yeah, there was... But that was, that was, at, was at the time we argued about policy, yes. not insanity. Republicans were merely wrong at that time. They weren't right. destructive to the very fabric of democracy, which is what they are now. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what Bob Dole represented, a different kind of politics. And I remember indeed, that... Indeed. That 96 campaign, uh, as normal as can be. I mean, it was it was nice because there was really no threat of Bill Clinton losing that election. So right. you could kind of sit back and, and enjoy it from the uh, political observational point of view. It uh, was, in yeah. fact, a simpler time. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. So anyway, uh, getting back into the madness of our times, Devin Nunes is quitting Congress <laughs> To spend more time kissing Trump's ass, apparently, because he's now going to be the head of Donald Trump's new media company. <laughs> uh, well, before we get too deeply into that, I, I you know, uh, this is funny because Devin Nunes, it's, and I mean odd funny, because Devin Nunes headed up one of the most powerful committees in Congress when he mm-hmm. headed the, the Senate Intelligence Committee. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's still a member of that powerful committee. Mm-hmm. And he's, if Republicans win, he's due to become the head of Ways and Means, the Ways and Means Committee, which is perhaps the most powerful committee, and he would be in charge of it, and he's walking away from that to get on the Titanic. (laughs) Yeah, it's just staggering. That was a great joke, by the way, because that's exactly what he's doing. It's just in time for the whole thing to crash and burn, because uh, not only did they land... $1 $1 billion in venture capital from obvious right. stupid people who don't including, care. Including Marjorie, Ta- including Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's put as much as $50,000 into it and already lost half of her money. Oh, yeah, just as a basic yeah. investor in the yeah. SPAC, DWAC, yeah. which I've been covering here on the show, uh, right. enjoying how it's been declining precipitously since the day Marjorie Taylor Greene <laughs> sunk upwards of uh, $50,000 into it. Right. But as far as venture capital, $1 billion they raised mm-hmm. to plug into this uh, this ridiculous company that's inevitably going to go by the way 
way of uh, Trump vodka, Trump steaks, and all the rest of it. Sure. Uh, I mean, this is a disaster in the in the works. Plus, on top of all of that, Trump's SPAC is now under investigation. And this is another example of why I don't think Trump will be running. He, yeah. He'd like to run. He's raising the money, which he knows he's going to keep what, regardless. Uh, but I just I think it's things like this that are piling up. And and the, soon the floodgates, I believe, will open because of the pressure. Uh, and uh, it's going to make it very difficult, if not impossible, for him to run. Wait, I'm going to sneeze. I'm going to sneeze in a second. Uh, not happening. Crawl back up. Okay, never mind. I used to have a trick for that uh, when I was like doing the news on the air, on the radio. Yeah. And I would feel a sneeze coming on. <laughs> I would apply pressure from the flat of my index finger on my cheek right next to my nose. So it basically shuts off the uh, the sinus. Yeah. And it allows you, and it doesn't, and it doesn't make you sound like this, and uh, <laughs> you're able to get through it. So yeah, yeah. if you ever need to, to okay. feel the need, just press, I'll, I'll send you a picture of how to do it. On the upside, I always cover my mouth. The fat laughing guy behind me doesn't wear a mask, so. Of all, uh, my, of all the bodily noises that can be made on the air, sneezing <laughs> is my favorite. Yeah, well, no, my favorite is this. <laughs> I yeah, know. There you go. I know. Yeah. I uh, stick with the sneeze. But yeah, they're under investigation for mm-hmm. reasons that are very difficult to explain. The SEC has voiced concerns about SPACs in general. That's the kind of merger, that's the kind of uh, corporation DWAC right. actually is. And Donald Trump's company has merged with that in order for it to go public on NASDAQ. But the SEC hasn't been very active in policing them. Uh, A financier behind Digital World could also face scrutiny from the SEC. Now, you know, these investigations by the SEC are usually lopsided. Usually the SEC is way outspent by whoever they're investigating. And uh, as we've learned through uh, the miniseries Dope Sick, uh, not specific to the SEC, but sometimes these smaller agencies can be corrupted somehow, yeah. like we've heard from about the FDA when it came to uh, OxyContin. And so with this, I'll believe it when I see it, <laughs> when, they, when I actually hear that they're making some headway with this investigation, that's when I'll believe it. But suffice to say... This is not a good climate for Devin Nunes to be climbing aboard, right? It's the worst possible time. I don't it's, know what they're it's, thinking. It's inexplicable. I mean, uh, does Nunes not realize that Trump will abandon him at some point? Oh, uh, yeah. That Trump will blame him for the failure of this? Yeah. Does Nunes not realize this is the end of his career? Mm-hmm. Is it that important to him to get close to Donald Trump or think he is? Yeah, yeah. He should familiarize himself with the, the word scapegoat because... <laughs> That's what happens to everyone who surrounds Donald Trump. If this thing fails, Donald Trump will go, oh, it's Nunez's fault. It wasn't me. It was Devin. And I fired him and brought in Eric to take over or whatever, whatever the, the story ends up being. Devin Nunez is like a bullet blocker for Donald Trump. I'm, I'm not sure we have the answer yet to why he's leaving such a powerful and influential positions in Congress, yeah, in Washington, yeah. mm. to run a company that, uh, by the numbers, is destined to fail. Well, in all honesty, it's the uh, cynical cash grab. This is what this is. This is I bet he's getting a huge sort of though. golden parachute. Yeah, I bet there's, but all of that is probably built in. There's probably a big... You know, whether it's vesting over time or whether it's just a big cash payout, doesn't matter. I think Devin Nunes knows that he's going to pick up a big hunk of cash for participating in this. Win or lose, you know, succeed or fail. This thing is going to be, you know, uh, a bonanza, a cash bonanza for everyone yeah, involved. Briefly, for Temporary. Such a short yes, time. exactly right. Temporary. Uh, you know, the uh, greed you see in the world, a lot of it, uh, whether it's corporate greed or political greed, uh, it, it, they're always looking at the short term. I've worked for people who said, I only care about this quarter. Yeah, yeah. And they're not looking at the long term because they don't care about the long term. They just want to make some cash in this quarter mm-hmm. and, of course, the next quarter. But they don't look down the road. And this is that sort of short-term greed, which is the worst of all the kinds of greed. On that note, <laughs> how do I segue, segue from greed to talking about my Patreon page? How appropriate. Uh, <laughs> if you're only listening to this show, if you're only listening to the free portion of the Bob Seska Show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, you're only hearing the first hour. There's an additional 20 minutes. Like, if you imagine the whole show, you're only hearing the first two-thirds. You're missing the final third, the final act 
of the show. It's the most pivotal part of the show. And it's about 20 minutes long. It runs after the end credits roll at the end of every Tuesday and Thursday show. All happening over there on our Patreon page. Of course, I'm talking about the Shadow Docket podcast at patreon.com slash Show or just bobseskashow.com. Easy to remember. It's a completely unfiltered, commercial-free continuation of all the fun and news, and it's only going to cost you pennies per episode. The Shadow Docket drops every Tuesday and Thursday after the free shows, and it's only going to cost you $5 per month, and you're going to be supporting this fully independent podcast. Don't miss out. Again, that's bobseskashow.com. Bookmark it. Send it to all your friends, and we thank you in advance. Whoops. (laughs) I'll leave it. I pressed the wrong button. Here we go. Bob Seska. Rebecca Dreskin from Blame It on Rebecca and her brand new Christmas song is called 2,000 Miles. Yeah. I love it. Interesting, quirky, and very, very catchy. Blame it on Rebecca.bandcamp.com. Yeah. A unique take on a favorite song of mine for the holidays. Oh, hey, I didn't know that. I didn't know you were into this one. I'm not as yeah, familiar with song. I'm not as familiar with 2000 Miles as some of the other Christmas fairs. So uh, oh, yeah, man. I was always glad to hear it. Yeah, as I said, blame it on Rebecca. Two K's in Rebecca. Uh, blame it on Rebecca.bandcamp.com. Link in the description under this episode at bobseska.com. All right, moving on here. Uh, oh, oh shit. Joe Biden is the jobs president. We gotta make sure yeah. we emphasize this because this is a big fucking deal. Mm-hmm. All right, so far. In the first 10 months of Joe Biden's presidency, 5.8 million jobs have been created. We're on target to uh, have 7 million new jobs by the end of Biden's first year, by January 20. Yeah, unprecedented. And here's how unprecedented it is. Donald Trump's first 10 months of his presidency, 1.7 million new jobs. Uh, George W. Bush lost 1.5 million jobs in his first year. Obviously, 9/11 was in there, but certainly Donald Trump. I mean, uh, George. <laughs> sorry, mix those two guys up. Uh, George W. Bush's policies also exacerbated that. And then his dad, George H. W. Bush, 1.5 million new jobs in his first 10 months. Ronald Reagan, uh, coming up last in this list. At 138,000 new jobs in his first 10 months. That gets one of these. Yeah. <sighs> St. Reagan only came up with 138,000 new jobs in his first 10 months. So so Biden's doing a great job with, yes. with the economy. And the economy is a very complicated and multi-layered. Mm-hmm. But you, and by the way, inflation prices are coming down. The supply chain problems are being solved. Of course. And you have this amazing record. Uh, sort of unemployment. Uh, mm-hmm. We weren't expecting, economists were not expecting a 4.2% unemployment rate for another four years. Wow. Biden brought it in four years ahead of schedule. Uh, again, amazing. And so what's the problem? Why why aren't more people pro-Biden yeah. uh, when we have this kind of number? Here, and Ari Melber retweeted this, uh, or he tweeted this, two headlines from the Associated Press. Uh, one is February 2nd, 2018. Mm-hmm. The other is December 3rd of this year. Uh, and uh, the one uh, from 2018 reads, U.S. employers added a robust 200,000 jobs in January. When Trump was president, AP was reporting in its headline that Trump had added a robust 200,000 jobs. Uh, this month, AP reports, and uh, almost the same wording, almost, with one key difference. Mm. The current, the recent headline was, U.S. employers added a sluggish 210,000 jobs oh, in Jesus November. God. So under Trump, it was robust, and under Biden, it was sluggish, and he had 10,000 more jobs? Yeah. Um, yeah. This is our problem, and getting out the word and c- convincing people the reality that's uh, out there isn't reality, mm-hmm. uh, as is so often the case these days. 
uh, people need to know that very real things are happening, uh, including uh, this record on uh, this record employment. Yeah. And uh, the amazing uh, economy overall, the prosperous uh, prosperity of it. Yeah. And Donald Trump knew the Republican Party at large knew that there was this disparity in the press. In fact, the Republican Party has created a large part of this disparity mm-hmm. by slamming the press with this liberal media bias thing for the last 50-plus years, That's so, at least since 1964. It's been all about the liberal media bias in the press. The press is so uh, sketched out about that that they've overcompensated as a consequence. And, and, and it isn't just that. You know, when I heard this theory by itself, I wasn't sure I agreed with it, but when I, when I combine it, with this uh, overcompensation for the accusation that the mm. media is left biased, uh, it's not just that. It's not just that overcompensation. It's also the the media made more money with Trump. Yeah, yeah. It, and, it was. It, and, you know, I know my listeners. When I was doing, I used to do news. I don't know if you know that, yeah. but. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, my listener numbers were up. I think yours mm-hmm. were up. They were up at all the networks. So you remember, I think it was Les Moonves at CBS who said uh, uh, Donald Trump has been very good. For, it may not be good for the country, but he's been very good for CBS. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a combination of overcompensating for the accusations of left bias and also greed. Yeah. Now, imagine this. I, I'm going to put this into metaphorical terms. Imagine two boxes. One box is the Donald Trump box. The next box over is the Joe Biden box. The press has these boxes to fill, let's say, over the course of a normal news cycle. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump fills it with batshit crazy, highly abnormal things from you know, just yeah. random statements all the way through Out of a fire hose. Out of a fire hose. (laughs) Exactly right. Mm -hmm. All the way through things like cheating cheating twice in the same election Mm -hmm. and being impeached twice. Uh, You know, things like Charlottesville, the insurrection, all the stuff that we were talking about with regard to testing positive for COVID. That fills the one box. Joe Biden fills the box with things like normal things like... Right. Well, a little bit of inflation here that the globe, the entire world happens to be experiencing, you know, some supply yes. chain thing, uh, you know, oh, a a predictably messy withdrawal from Afghanistan, irrespective of who might have been. Pre- I mean, we're talking about normal things. Mm-hmm. The, the boxes become equally filled by the press. Right. They've got to fill column inches. Um, the one box is filled with destructive anti-democratic things and the other box is filled with normal things and it's the same size, the same number of things. That's the way the press is thinking about these things. And so therefore... Donald Trump and the people who surround Donald Trump, the modern Republican Party, the red hat Republican Party, can get away with all of this crazy shit because it receives the same amount of coverage as the normal stuff. Am I making sense on this? Yeah. The press wants to make it appear that they're being as hard on Biden as they were on Trump. Uh, The truth is they're being harder on Biden than they were on Trump. Mm. That's why I say they're overcompensating. The terrible aspect, obviously, is that Joe Biden gets a bum rap from the press because of this. But it's also advantageous to Donald Trump because it's the Steve Bannon philosophy of flooding the zone, right? Mm, And flooding the zone, it makes it impossible for the press to properly categorize that because the press instinct is to say, well, it's equivalent, you know, it's about the same on, you know, we got, we said all these terrible things about Donald Trump. So in order to be fair and balanced, we have to say equally awful things about Joe Biden, except the equally awful things that we say about Joe Biden happen to be over things that are perfectly normal for any fucking president. Well, I'm, I'm trying to avoid, and I I would encourage other people to avoid criticizing uh, the democratic party. But if we have a weakness and we do, it is uh, not spreading the word, not flooding the zone. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, working in Chicago, I worked for a radio station that was owned by CBS and uh, our big competition over at WLS was owned by by ABC. Uh, and uh, what I noticed is uh, ABC put a lot of money into promotion. Yeah. And uh, a lot of money into very fancy, very expensive advertising. But, you know, most of the product, their various stations that they owned there, 
and, and most of the shows on those stations were weak. They really weren't that good. You yeah. know, a lot of the big names from LS were gone by then. And so it was just kind of, you know, motoring along. But they had this tremendous promotion machine. Over at CBS, we had, I think, much better programming that we were offering on our stations. Uh, much better, but no advertising to speak of. Very little. Oh. When when we did it, it was kind of lame. Mm-hmm. And, and so this is the Republicans versus the Democrats. It's the same thing. Their marketing is so much better than ours. They're, they're so much better at flooding the zone than we are. We have got to step that up. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm encouraged by the fact that Jamie Harrison, who's the chairman of the DNC, is beginning to make the rounds on the podcasts. And one of the reasons he's doing that is because of... Kimberly Johnson. Kimberly Johnson <laughs> tweeted to him last week and said, hey, there are all these liberal podcasts. Why don't I you avail that. yourself of, and the DNC, of these podcasts? Get the I message out. Tweet. Yeah. And of course, he responded with like a 12-part reply. Wow. Enumerating all the things that the DNC is doing. And not only that, but He's booked himself on Kimberly's show. Oh, Jenny that's Harrison. fantastic. Yeah. Kimberly A. Johnson getting it done. Yeah, absolutely. And then he's also booked on tomorrow's Stephanie Miller show. So he's going to be on Kimberly's show. He's going to be on Stephanie's show tomorrow. In fact, I've been bumped to the second hour of the Stephanie Miller show to make way for Jamie Harrison tomorrow morning in in my slot. And I'm happy to relinquish that slot to the chairman of the DNC to talk about messaging here. And one of the first things that I've been saying right out of the shoot is Democrats deliver. Anyone who, I, I'm not sure who came up with that slogan or that hashtag, but Democrats deliver. If you're interested in, in spreading the word, that hashtag is the way to go. Joe Biden is the jobs president. <laughs> Mention that no anytime doubt. you get a chance. Because that's that fucking real. I mean, the yeah. number of jobs that have cre- been created, uh, not only as a result of the economic recovery, but also as a result of the American Rescue Plan that was passed uh, last spring by Biden and the Democrats. So this is all positive news. These are all things that we can all take a greater hand in helping to spread around. You know, it's the old philosophy that... You know, you can have the greatest message in the world, but if no one spreads it, does it make a sound? And so that's also our responsibility. It's not just about the DNC coming up with a great message or third-party groups coming up with great messages and getting the word out through videos or hashtags or whatever, social media. It's also about us sharing those links, and it's so important to do that. Share the fact that uh, insulin users, uh, diabetics who use insulin— uh, instead of spending $1,000 a month or more, uh, we'll be spending $35 a month thanks to mm-hmm. Biden's Build Back Better. That's right. Uh, those And and as Bob said, uh, tag that with uh, Democrats Deliver. Uh, we need to get that message out. We need to continue to get out the message that right now only one party stands for democracy, period. The other yeah. is clearly demonstrated they're against it. And use evidence in your argument. So present a fact, a simple, one simple, absorbable fact, mm-hmm. and tag it, the Democrats deliver, and use that to keep spreading the word. Uh, we need to get more of that out there. That's right. And by the way, 30 million Americans are now the recipients of guaranteed minimum income. This is really happening. This is the child tax credit, or as I like to call it, the child tax cut. And those are guaranteed payments every month, and through the Build Back Better Act, they will be uh, those payments will be extended at least by another year. That was the latest number that I saw. It could be beyond that, but that's you know that's another consequence of Joe Biden and the Democrats. And that's yeah, all good. That's why that's why I'm declaring you this year on my income taxes as a child. Perfect. I'm happy, I'm happy to contribute in some way. Uh, okay. In meantime, uh, this is not good. U.S. hospitalizations wow. are about to hit, or yeah, I think they they came close yesterday. Sixty thousand people hospitalized in the second Delta wave, and, and that's what it is. Yeah, y- yeah. Del- that's just Delta. That's not the Omicron virus. That's right. And uh, of that sixty thousand, about fourteen thousand are Americans in ICUs. So anyone who's telling you that the pandemic is over, they are lying to you. And that includes uh, Bill Maher as well. Yeah. So oh, well, now we have to change the name of our band. We can't call ourselves Omicron anymore. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're at least saying Omicron. 
Because I'm hearing all kinds of variations yeah, of that there, one. There, there are about 22 different pronunciations of it, and they're all correct, according yeah, to yeah. what I've read. So call it whatever you want. 17 states right now, as of December 1st, when the first case was reported in California. Uh, New York City, meanwhile, announced a coronavirus vaccine mandate for all private employers to combat the spread of Omicron. Uh, de Blasio called the mandate a preemptive strike. Hey, that's the way to do it. You got to hit it before it reaches its peak. Once it's at its peak, it's much more difficult to defeat. You, you, you hit it when it's when it's low, when it's weak. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out or how successful that is. I hope it is. Absolutely. So uh, lots more to come still on the Shadow Docket podcast on our Patreon page. Again, it's Act 3 of the show. And if you miss Act 3 of the show, you miss a lot. Yeah, we're warmed up now. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Hey, so make sure to sign up on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Show, or very simply bobseskashow.com. And we thank you for your support. It's $5 a month. It's a bargain at twice the price. We pass the savings on to you. So uh, run, don't walk over to our Patreon page and uh, plug in your information and you'll be all set. You'll be clued in. You'll be wired into the heartbeat of the show. All right, folks. Shadow Dockets next. See you over there, folks. Bye-bye. Great to be back.